Guys, if you're anything like me, looking at maps has always been a huge part of my preparation and execution for my outdoor adventures. I have been using GoHunt digital maps on desktop and mobile for quite some time now. I have used these maps for years for my in-depth e-scouting tactics and my methods of using offline maps during the hunt. Well, now I'm happy to report GoHunt maps now covers all 50 states. There's two ways to get the GoHunt map. You can sign up for a GoHunt Insider membership and get the benefits of all the draw odds, harvest statistics, unit breakdowns, strategy articles, as well as access to the 50 state maps, plus savings on gear for being an Insider member. Like right now, they're doing double points. For an Insider membership, sign up now at GoHunt.com, use the JScott promo code, and get a $50 GoHunt Gear Shop gift card just for signing up. You can also just sign up for a GoHunt Explorer membership, and that gives you access to 50 states for 50 bucks. Use the JScott promo code. Guys, also, don't forget to get a 10% discount on gear at the Go Hunt Gear Shop by using the J. Scott promo code. You can also reach out to my friend Cody Nelson of 20 plus years, either by phone or by text, 602-399-3699. Make sure you tell him I sent you. I want to thank GoHunt.com for their loyal sponsorship of my podcast. We're over 815 episodes in, and they've been with me for, since the beginning. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting for their sponsorship of this podcast. They provide the gear that I use on all of my hunting adventures. You can go to the Kuyu website directly, kuiu.com, order directly. They're a direct-to-consumer company. Uh, they make the best gear in the in the hunting industry, and I've been a loyal supporter of theirs for years. Also, phonescope.com. Go to phonescope.com. Use the J. Scott or jscott22 promo code and you're going to get a 10% discount at Phonescope. Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for, for supporting me. If you have any questions or you'd like to send me a comment, the best way to do that is on my Instagram account, at jscottoutdoors. Again, let's get right to this episode and thanks for your support. Hey folks, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is your guest host, Cliff Gray. Today I have Chad Mendez on the podcast. Chad is a professional bare knuckle boxer and UFC fighter, but most importantly, he's an avid hunter and fisherman. Today we are going to talk about the intense passion he has for the outdoors and his fins and feather guiding service. I've watched for years now as Chad has grown that business, so I really want to hear the details of that progression. I also want to delve into all the different adventures it has taken him on. I look at your social media and website, Chad, and it's wild, man. We're talking gator hunts, elk hunts, muley hunts, you know, just a bunch of really cool stuff. So I want to talk about all those adventures. Before we uh, we jump into that, Chad, if there's anything I missed in this intro, man, uh, let the viewers know and we'll uh, we'll go from there. Heck yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, man. It's good to, to be on here. I think I did Jay's podcast quite a few years ago, but um, it's it's been a little bit. But yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, man, I think you nailed it. I mean, we got fins and feathers. There's a couple other businesses I've I've just been kind of putting my nose to the grindstone on and trying to grow. We got the provider, which is uh, uh, basically like a dry rub company that we, we created a wild game cookbook that goes along with it. Um, you know, hunting, obviously hunting and fishing has always been a huge passion of mine, but creating amazing meals uh, with the bounty, you know, has always been a huge passion as well. And I, I don't know if that comes from just years of cutting weight with wrestling and fighting and, you know, kind of starving myself and then seeing all these shows where, you know, these, these amazing looking dishes get prepared. And, you know, so it, the creativity for me, that's like something that, that I love to do the create, the creative part of it. But 
Um, yeah, so we have the provider, um, American Ama Beef, uh, which is a beef company that me and uh, four other buddies started here in, uh, locally in Northern California. But basically no antibiotics, no hormones, no soy, no corn. Um, we basically feed, we finish these steers or grass fed and then finish them on a proprietary blend of feed that we've created, um, which is, you know, all just a very high octane, nutritious uh, blend of almonds, prunes, uh, you know, roughage. We got a, just a very specific uh, blend of feed that gives a really good marbling and a really good flavor to the fat. So that uh, makes the meat really tender as well. So that's, I mean, that's another thing we've kind of been doing. I got, I got my hands in too many damn things. My wife, Definitely isn't a huge fan of all the the activities that that are going on outside of the house, but uh, it's what's put put food on the table, so she can't be too upset about it. But yeah, no, I I can I can relate, man. And you're like in that zone of where kids are. What'd you say the age of yours are? Uh, two and a half and one. Yeah, so it's like a full time gig, just keeping them from like jumping oh, yeah. into the you know jumping into whatever can hurt them. I feel like mm-hmm. my my youngest is five, Chad. And I feel like he's still in that zone of like, if I'm not watching him, like he's just going to find some way to kill himself, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Dude, there could be a thousand different things that are safe and there's one dangerous thing and they, they are just always drawn to that one thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. I yeah, yeah. what the hell it is, but. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> but, and, and we'll, we'll, I want to talk to you about kids and stuff. Anybody who's like a big hunter and out, in outdoorsman, I always want to kind of talk to them and I'm sure the audience of this podcast is interested in too, like what their plan is to try to introduce them, you know? So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that, Chad, but you were talking about your, uh, your beef business. Are you still on like a carnivore esque diet or high protein? Yeah. What, what's your, what are you doing on that right now? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know the correct terminology. I guess a meat based diet is what you can call it. Sure. Um, I did strict carnivore for about four months when I first jumped on the diet, more of just like an elimination uh, diet, you know, and I have uh, plaque psoriasis really bad all over my body. I've had it my whole life. And, uh, you know, I've been to multiple dermatologists trying to figure out like, how do I get rid of this? It's starting to spread throughout my body. I got all over my legs, my head, you know, spots on my, my cavity, my elbows. And it's, you know, just as I get older, it's getting worse and worse. Sure. And there's, there's never been any type of advice other than here, take these pills. Here's a shot use this ointment, use this cream. And it's, you know, both of them straight up told me that diet has zero effect on, on psoriasis. There's no studies to prove that. I almost got offended when I even asked about it, but it wasn't like I was trying to prove anything. I didn't even know about the carnivore diet or anything. Yeah. You're like just looking for diet, a solution. Sure. Yeah. And so, uh, Sean Baker and, uh, Paul Saldino, uh, basically kind of opened my eyes a little bit more to this diet along with Rogan. I know Rogan has an autoimmune disease, I think Vitilago. And, oh, okay. uh, you know, uh, so he said he did it and it helped, you know, he did it for like a month and it helped tremendously. So I don't know. I just started leaning towards giving it a try about a year and a half ago, uh, mainly because I couldn't figure out anything else. I, you know, I didn't want to be on a, a routine shot every month. That's extremely hard on your, your organs, you know, these ointments and creams, they help it a little bit, but they don't take it away. They don't fix it. It's just, you know, a little bit better. And then as soon as you stop with the ointment, it's right back again. Um, And a lot of those things make you feel really crappy. And I'm just not into it, the pills and all that stuff. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to try it. So I, I, for the first four months did nothing but meat, eggs, dairy, and seafood. Uh, Nothing, no fruits, no vegetables, you know, no processed sugars, nothing, just meat, eggs, dairy, seafood. 
and there was a, a little bit of some seed oils at, at that point that wasn't really something i was really focused on didn't really know much about it, it was just going to try to eliminate as much as i could there was a few things i was eating that still had seed oils here and there um and so the psoriasis got better in those four months um but then i started slowly adding things back in uh, but it, it didn't go away until i completely cut out um the seed oils which was about may or june of this this year and within like two or three weeks my psoriasis was completely gone at that point and it was oh, like okay. better at that point so yeah man i i basically am just doing meat fruits you know honey is my sweetener um what am i meats fruits i do some dairy i try to do raw dairy yeah and I, man, um, it's it's funny chad because what what you're describing it's very similar to to my diet too i kind of follow the same thing like a lot of protein but some fruits and i noticed that a lot of people kind of have that same progression that you had like they go to all meat they solve a problem and then they're able to add they're they're able to get like a little flexibility right that seems to be yeah. pretty common man do you notice um and you're you you, you have a big uh, audience do you notice that there's like there's like closet carnivores? They don't like they they're almost like embarrassed to talk about yeah. it. You know, yeah. and I think it's funny oh, that yeah. people are like that. Like you're, I can even tell like you're slightly hesitant because you're, you're like, ah, oh, people are gonna like judge that I'm yeah. eating this like mainly mainly meat uh, diet. Yeah, I, it's still even family members now. You know, I have family members that are in the medical field. Even you know, when I tell them what my diet is, they automatically are like, oh, what? You're gonna have a heart attack. You can't have that much cholesterol. You can't have that much meat, that much fat. And it's like we've been brainwashed our whole lives thinking that that stuff's all the enemy, you know? And it's, no, you know what's the enemy is all the processed junk that we're eating on a daily basis through the American diet, you know? And uh, yeah, it's crazy, like the the type of kickback you get. I've I've seen a meme lately, like it was pretty funny. It's like, you got, I get such a a kickback and it shows like a dozen eggs, you know, over easy. Like if I eat a twelve eggs in a day, I'm gonna have a heart attack. But it, nobody says anything, and it's like a whole happy bill, uh, uh, Big Mac meal next to it. And it's like, God, you're right. Like everybody's okay with a Big Mac meal and doesn't doesn't even think twice about it. But yeah. if I tell you that I'm gonna eat twelve eggs in a day. You're gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's we've been brainwashed, man. It's crazy. But yeah, um, yeah. And I and I don't know how you feel about it, man. I'm still like I'm still a little bit hesitant. Uh, Cause I don't know, you know, cause people, the same mm-hmm. thing, like family members will express like concern, like, man, you know, like is eating, cause I'm going to delve in this a little bit more with you. Cause I have a specific question related to beef because in, in a lot of my, I have a brother who's a doctor and it's like, I eat a lot of red meat on it. I'm assuming you do too, to, you know, mm-hmm. for the fat content. And it's like, well, I, you know, I don't know. Is you know, is it going to shorten my lifespan? I personally have no idea. It's not like I've read all the research, but the problem is, is like I get immediate kind of like awesome effects from changing mm-hmm. the diet. So it's hard for me to to really judge where I'm at on it. But yeah. what I was going to ask you, Chad, and I think I think a lot of this audience will have been exposed to this diet through from either Rogan or you know just whatever. There's probably some overlap yeah. of the concepts, so they've heard about it. Um, and it's funny because. I was helping uh, Jay Scott guide a Arizona sheep hunt this last week, and he's starting to transition to it too. Really? Because he, yeah. he and Jay will listen to this, and and he uh, he'll laugh because I'm always harassing him because he eats pop tart. <laughs> he eats like shit, like pop tarts, yeah. man. 
Um, yeah. And so, uh, anyways, uh, I I harass him about that. But anyway, so he's starting to transition that way. But in the context of like the hunting world, one thing I tried, man, and it did not work was to only eat game meat. Have you yeah. have have you tried that, or have you had have you? No, I, I didn't. And I, right off the bat, the two doctors that I talked to that are, you know, more of the meat-based type doctors basically said it's tough to do that because A, protein is a very difficult thing for your body to use as an energy source. It's very hard to break down uh, and it, it doesn't have a ton of calories per um, per gram. So fat is what you need. Fat is, our bodies are are meant to use fat as its first fuel source. So yeah. our diet in the United States, we've, we've had so many carbohydrates thrown into everything with all the grains and, you know, cereals and whatever it may be. Our bodies have made the transition to using carbohydrates now as a first fuel source. But yeah, so I think you definitely need the fat. Wild game is extremely lean, uh, you know, and even, even uh, like my ground that I make from deer or elk, whatever, I'll still do a 25% beef fat add-in um on that just because you got to have the fat the fat is the energy source um yeah. you know, the protein is it's a healthy protein obviously but yeah you need you need the fat for sure yeah no i got you man and i, and I found you're just smarter than i was about it right off the bat um i came to that same conclusion but it took yeah. it took it took me a couple of weeks of doing it like on you know i was just i always had elk you know because the business i was in or whatever i yep. always had elk you know i always had game meat as i'm sure you do so I tried to go just with that and it doesn't, it d- doesn't work. So uh, yeah. you were smart enough to know that off the bat. I was smart yeah, enough. I to used to do all my, again, like even when I was training through college and first few, you know, first eight, 10 years of my fight career, like I didn't, I didn't know any of this stuff. You know, I, I wish I would have been exposed to this earlier in my career, but you know, fat, fat's not the enemy, especially someone that's, you know, training at a high octane levels, you know, fat's good. And I've always like I remember just doing all my grind on deer and uh, elk, just pure game meat, not no fat yeah, added, sure. you know. And it's it's like, damn it, what the hell was I thinking? Like I wish yeah, I yeah. I mean, well, and add that twenty to twenty five percent in there, you know. It a it tastes way better, and it now when I eat that, like I feel so energized, like ready to go. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, well, I, I think, uh, and, and maybe you feel this, I, I always felt like there's a little like negative connotation to adding domestic mm-hmm. fat to yeah. wild game. Like, oh, you're going to like ruin it. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm with you, man. I think for the audience of the podcast too, if you do try this diet, exactly what Chad's saying, like you've got to, you've got to consume and, and tell me your perspective on Chad, but like you got to consume like enough fat where if you're not used to it, it feels absurd. It feels absurd yeah. how much fat yeah. you're consuming. Um, yeah, for sure. And my, my wife, like it took her a while in the beginning. She's still like a little hesitant on it. Like I use butter for everything cooking and, you know, I just try to use the animal fats for everything instead of, you know, obviously any seed oils or anything like that. And, you know, it's again, we've been taught our whole lives, like butter is bad for you. It's high in fat, high in cholesterol. It's going to give you a heart attack. And every once in a while, my wife still just kind of gets a little icked out by it. And I'm like, we got to get past it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, no, I got you. you know? <laughs> hey, so. Have you tried uh, Have you tried staying on it during, you know, either just a lot of travel or on backcountry hunts or yeah. anything like that? You yeah, have, so how have you two, done it? Yeah, this year was the first year that I've had to 
worry about backcountry hunts. I mean, really, I started it last year, but it was like after all those. So this year was the first year I did my Alaska hunt and then that backcountry New Mexico elk hunt. Um, and it's tough, man. I mean, every <laughs> I went with all the hush guys on that New Mexico hunt. Sure. And those guys love their treats, you know. Yeah, yeah. They love all their same thing, pop tarts and yeah, yeah. Twinkie cohos, like all the all the the bad stuff. But I'm sitting there snacking on like straight jerky, you know, just salt and pepper jerky. Yeah. And but it's tough, man. You really you got to sit down and plan it out. You know, I bring like dates. I love I love dates and like dried dates and dried fruits and you know anything like that. That's a going to be super lightweight, but you know, as much sugar as I can possibly get. I can't really get my sugar anywhere else outside of like honey packets, dried fruits. Um, I would do my peak meal, um, which was an insane carb overload for me every night. But, you know, obviously you're probably only getting maybe seven, 800 calories, seven or 800 calories throughout the day while you're snacking. And then yeah. you'd have your big meal at night, you know? And so I would always do the bison ranch mashers. It doesn't have seed oils. Um, the carbohydrates are potatoes, which I don't typically eat potatoes or rice, but every once in a while, I'll still add that in. And it seems like um, if I'm not doing it for consistent long periods of time, it doesn't really affect the psoriasis. But I notice if it's like if I start eating rice every single day for like two or three weeks, it would definitely It'll come start back. coming back. Yeah. I so I think I think, you know, the potatoes, the bison, a little bit of vegetables, you know, it didn't seem to bother me too much. So that's what I was pretty much doing on both the sheep and that and that um, uh, New Mexico hunt. So, but yeah, mostly it's just dried fruits. Uh, um, RX bars, they make a pretty good bar where it's, you know, dates and egg whites and uh, some almonds. And um, I think that's pretty much it. There's like three or four ingredients, super clean bars. So I'd snack on those throughout hikes and stuff on midday. <clears throat> but yeah, man, it was, it was definitely a lot more detailed planning for that going into these backcountry hunts on this diet there's just yeah. not a ton of options it's not like hard to pack it's just you're pretty much eating the same things every single day which i pretty much do that anyways at home there's not a ton of you know you're eating meat fruit mixing anything with honey some yogurt you know that's pretty much it jerky yeah yeah sure. like i don't have a ton of options yeah <laughs> so. yeah it is just on well it's I almost said something that I had to laugh to my laugh to myself because for you this isn't probably that unique because you're used to you know being an athlete but for a lot of us including myself when I go on a backcountry hunt the my biggest fear is to get in like a really bad calorie deficit and yeah. so I have to it's hard for me to stay on it Chad because I'm so worried that the the limited options i'm just not going to get enough calories and it and that yeah. beats me up bad mm -hmm. um have you ever tried pemmican before no dude you should try it man so it, uh, there's no there's no real commercial availability of like true pemmican but all it is is like I'll, I'll, I'll make this real brief but some of the viewers might think it's interesting too but i take meat that as if i'm gonna turn it into jerky and i smoke it but I smoke it for like three times as long as I would it for jerky. So it's like, it's basically like dust dry, <clears throat> grind it up. And then I'll, maybe I'll put like some dried blueberries in there or something like that, but you don't have to, you can put a little honey, little things to season it, red pepper or something, mm -hmm. but you just take that dried meat powder and then you add tallow, like rendered beef fat to oh, it, no way. dude. And it, 
like you have to get i, I bet because you're used so is it to, like a paste no it's like uh it, it's it's uh it you can make it the consistency you want right because the more tallow you add the more the softer it's going to be now if you're in like on really warm weather hunts you have to deal with the fat uh, the fact that gotcha. it is kind of a paste and you mm -hmm. know how i got around that is when you vacuum pack it vacuum pack it like an otter pop you know what an otter pop is yeah oh yeah, yeah. so vacuum so pack it like that yeah 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 exactly that's a good call so even if it gets hot you can consume it that way now if it's like a cold weather hunt it, it's more of like you can keep it like a brownie consistency it's no big deal gotcha um okay. but because you've been eating so much fat man you'd probably be like oh this stuff's good you know yeah it, it, it turns it some people, good. yeah yeah it, it turns some people off because they're not used to eating the fat you know what i mean uh -huh. um but that's yeah man cool. give it give give it a try yeah, like a little bump throughout the day. Like that's a good good way to stay out of that calorie deficit for sure. If you're yeah, yeah, yeah. A little laggy, just pop one of those. You'd probably yeah. be muddy. Yeah, yeah. So give it a look into that. Try, man. Well, and the thing that's crazy about it, it has indefinite shelf life too. Yeah. Suppose I mean, supposedly they used to keep it like that for like years, you know. No way. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, what do you call it again. Uh, pimmican. Man, I'm gonna write that down. That's cool. Yeah, man. The the thing about it, Chad, is like. You have to you have to find like uh like an original like the real recipe you you know there's like they call it like there's commercial jerky they call pimmican that's not that's not what we're talking about yeah uh, gotcha. you, you, you you have to look it up but yeah dude give it a try and and let me know uh let me know what dude, you, I might make a bunch think. of those just for even office like daily work because like right now I just got like some jerky you know it's basically uh, uh it's salt garlic yeah salt beef water garlic just plain as plain jerky as you can that's all like that's all i pretty much snack on throughout the day you know i have my big breakfast where it's you know four eggs or so with some fruit and um maybe half avocado or something post-workout then i come in the office and just snack and then usually do like a big steak for dinner with some fruit and another avo or something you know yeah but that'd be sure. just midday to just pop some of those and yeah yeah good Good yeah, give it, give going. it a try, man. Or, or I mean, you're in those businesses. Get a, um, get a you commercial get option figured out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> uh, I think, dude. I think I, uh, I think that there's a lot of people out there trying this stuff. So I think it'll, it'll yeah. continue to grow, man. Yeah. Um, mm. but uh, speaking of business ideas and stuff, I was looking at your website, and I think, um, for a lot of the listeners of uh, this podcast, you know, they're um, some of them are advanced hunters, uh, Chad, but I noticed that a lot of them just interacting with them are kind of new to the sport. And yeah. I, I, uh, um, stuck my toes into this kind of business concept a little bit myself, but it looks like you guys are executing on it quite a bit. And that's this, you're doing kind of like, a like an introduction to hunt is one of your hunt options, yeah. right? Um, yeah, yeah. This, this tell this me about it, man. Yeah, so that's through Fins and Feathers. That's a, a a business that me and a really good friend of mine started back in 2015. Um, and we've just kind of basically what we call it is like a celebrity outdoor service. Basically, the, the only difference between booking with us and booking with another outfitter is that we we try to make it a little more unique by putting different athletes on the trips with the clientele. So just kind of make it a new memorable experience where you know, maybe I'm going to go do a cool Utah mule deer hunt, but not only am I going to go do a cool Utah mule deer hunt, Dan Henderson's going to be there in camp, staying at the same lodge as us, 
hunting with us, going out and like trying to kill a big old buck with us. So, sure. you know, something that's just unique. We do these tuna trips out of San Diego, which these are some of my funnest trips of the year, man. It's uh, usually quite a bit of tequila and beer and really good weather and big bluefin tuna and uh, really good food on the boat, you know, and just everybody having a good time. So we usually go out like two or three days at a time. Um, but yeah, this year we just, we started our first academy is what we're calling it, Fins and Feathers Academy, where basically we we teamed up with Gunworks um, and our outfitter that we use for our, our cow elk hunts to combine like a, um, basically like a little introduction, like a crash course to hunting late season cow elk, just giving these guys kind of a rundown on what to look for, you know, what the terrain's going to be, like, you know, that type of stuff. And then we do basically a day and a half of classroom stuff with Gunworks, their instructors come out, teach guys, you know, shooting know-hows, how to do all the long range stuff. We get on on the range and we do, um, you know, different breathing techniques, how to hold your hands, a bunch of just like fine tuning stuff for a lot of these beginner guys that have never shot long range or shot at all. And so it's a good way to teach uh, these guys how to do that stuff. And then we take all that stuff that we've learned in the classroom and on the shooting range and then do a two or three day cowbell cut with all that that skill set that they just learned. Um, and it was fun, man. This was our first year doing one. We did it up in Oregon. Uh, I think we had six guys come out, and uh, man, it was a blast. We it was cold. It was a little a little cold, but you know that's part of hunting. I think that's a, a cool um, thing to throw in there. You sometimes got to deal with the weather. You know that. So yeah, yeah, sure. uh, yeah, man. We we had a lot of fun doing it. We're, so we're gonna do that one again next year. And then we're also working on a trophy Audad uh, long range school out in Texas. Oh, okay. So you know, guys are more worried about just getting meat. They want the elk. We have a cool cow elk one. And then we're trying to do something maybe for some people that are a little bit more advanced. Doesn't have to be. It could be beginners as well. But give them something more of like a trophy animal to go after, you know. And so it's all the same long range shooting stuff. You know, phenomenal facilities, and then some really good hunting after. So. Yeah, we'll kind yeah. of see how it plays out, but yeah, I love it. I love the uh, the Audad concept too. In addition to your cow elk one, it, it's it's interesting, man. Because tell me your thoughts on this. But I think a lot of people, like, there's this growing group of people that want to get into hunting, but their parents didn't. Their you know their dad didn't hunt or or whatever. That's for sure growing. I mean, you mentioned Rogan, um, and I know you, you've you've been on his podcast. I could ask you a thousand questions about that. That's probably pretty <laughs> pretty cool. But um, but you know, he has his in in a sense, he's kind of changed the game a little bit and brought a bunch of people that fit that category into the hunting world. And it's so intimidating, man. It's so intimidating for somebody who wasn't exposed to it. I I realized that from my my outfitting and guiding days, like. I took it for granted that I was around it mm-hmm. my whole life, but then you realize like, man, there's a lot of people that want to get into this, but there's not a real intuitive way. So if uh, anybody's like interested, I think these kind of things are the way, the way to do it, man. And it's not, yeah. you know, they're, they're like, it, tell me if I'm wrong, Chad, but you're hitting the things that make a lot of sense to me. Like you're even your odd ad hunts, they're probably really high success rate hunts. Mm-hmm. Your, your cow elk hunts are high success rate hunts which to me is key. Yeah. It's still like yeah. hunting, but you get to go through that process of like yeah. dealing with the animal and everything. And yeah. that's, that's huge, man. I think, you know, I think that it's, you know, like a lot of guys start with elk hunting, right. And they're going to go on like a over the counter, 
you know, archery backpack yeah. hunt for their first introduction to hunting. And that's awesome, man. Like more one of the hardest power things you can do right off the bat. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> one of the hardest things you can yeah, do. Yeah. Right yeah. It's like you're that. jumping up yeah. way into like the big leagues in a sense, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. Um, and it, yeah, you can learn a, a ton by going on the type of hunts you just mentioned. So, so that's awesome, man. Um, yeah. I uh, if I would have stayed in an outfitting business, I would have pursued that business in intense because I think yeah. I, the other thing is, I mean, it's probably super fun to do. You know what it I mean? Is, you have yeah. like enthusiastic, enthusiastic yeah. people that you know they're mm-hmm. like. I assume that you know most of these are adults that are going on your hunts. They're like, but they're still like a kid element, right? Because they're yeah. learning something. So. Yeah. No, it's fun, man. That's ultimately in the beginning of trying to figure out fins and feathers and like how we were going to structure this, this business and, you know, where we wanted it to go in, in the future was basically helping beginner people that want to get into the sport of hunting and, and understand what everything looks like and coming to us like, okay, how do I do this? And we, we get a lot of guys from, especially from the MMA world that follow me through the fighting world that have never even thought about hunting, but over the last few years, just following along and seeing like the process of going out and hunting and then having all this meat in my freezer with the last couple of years of uncertainty with supermarkets and, you know, food availability and the scare with all the COVID stuff. And, you know, I think there's more people like leaning on, God, I should probably learn how to do this. Or I I think I should, you know, I think it would be cool. So we get a lot of those guys that come over that I've never hunted before. And just like you said, I don't have anyone in my family that has ever done it, but I'd like to learn how do I start? And, you know, we guide them through, okay, first you got to go get your hunter safety course done. You know, this is where you can find it. Just set up, set up the appointment, go do it. And we get a lot of guys and girls that go and do that. And then they'll come back to us and say, I, all right, I got, let's get something booked, you know, yeah, which yeah. is super cool. Um, we have a, a, a wild pig ranch up here in Northern California, like near Redding area. And, okay. you know, that's another good first time hunt you know there's a lot of game up there so you got a ton of pigs you got a lot of opportunity obviously pigs you know the eyesight you know it is, isn't like a deer or an elk you know they're pretty busy when they're feeding so their attention span is usually focused on what they're doing as long as the wind's right they're pretty typically pretty easy to get it on sure which is great for beginner hunters you can kind of explain things as you're going and break things yeah, down yeah them set up take their time um and so we do a lot of that stuff up there also so um but yeah it's for me it's that's probably the most rewarding part of all this is just seeing someone who's never done it going out getting their hunter safety course done coming to us trusting in us to basically they take them on their first you know guided hunt of anything and then we go out and teach them the ways and then I mean, we've had a lot of guys uh not only book multiple hunts with us, but start booking other places. And I usually recommend like, oh, I want to go do a cool deer hunt or do you have any recommendations here and send them over there. And then you start seeing all these pictures on their Instagram of them going out and getting meat and like cooking it, you know, tagging us in it. It's just a cool, like rewarding feeling to be able to basically teach somebody like that. And my daughter, my oldest daughter right now is just kind of getting into it. She's I think she's going to be a daddy's girl. Like she loves going okay. sitting at turkey blind with me. And uh, she's done a deer hunt here in California with me this year. And we got a nice buck. And so she's like wanting to do it, which is super cool to me. So hopefully here in the next few years, she's tagging along with, with her own bow or own gun going out on a hunt with me. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, man. I, uh, so my question on that front, cause I, I battle this man, like, you know, my kids have been around, 
hunting their whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, my oldest is 10. And uh, in a sense, like they, it's it's odd because I, it, particularly my older daughter, like I don't see like a real spark, like a spark of interest in it. But it's weird because she's, you know, she said if she sees a, you know, a skinned elk skull on a tailgate of my truck, like it's just like another day to her. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so uh-huh. it's like she she's not she's not you know like a normal kid might be like disgusted by that or whatever she but but she also i haven't like i haven't like flickered up a passion in her yet and i i just have this internal debate man like do do i try to like get it going or like what's the deal on how do how do you think about that yeah man it's a tough one me and my wife talk about that like obviously i'm never like forcing it like come on we have to go honestly the last few times like we did a fall turkey hunt a couple times the last few weeks and she was the one that was asking like i want to go turkey hunting which is super cool you know but i don't know if it's at this point in her life like i don't know if she actually cares about the hunting part of it other outside of just spending time with dad you know doing something outside, you know which if that's ultimately what keeps her doing it i'm i'm all for that but yeah man i don't it's tough. You, you don't want to force any of that stuff on them. You know, same, same with sports. I mean, I wanted to play a sport. Um, you know, we've tried a, a few different ones now and it doesn't seem to have, you know, none of them have that interest spark yet, but I mean, she's young, you know, yeah, yeah. I think give it a few more years and things will start clicking a little bit more, but yeah, man, that we'll see. I mean, we'll just kind of keep rolling along like we are right now and just hopefully that love for both sports and hunting in the outdoors just kind of grows and I mean, she calls me Papa Daddy, so Papa Daddy's going to be doing it no matter what. So yeah, yeah, sure. Come along, let's go. Yeah, but I, I like your perspective on it, man. I think that's something I'll keep uh, in my own uh, mind when I think about it. Is like think about it like spending time with them, not like yeah. I'm I'm going to get them excited about hunting. You know, it's yeah. it's more uh-huh. just like spend time with them, and then they'll mm-hmm. they'll decide if that's they're going to be a lifelong passion passion or not. And that that's kind of yeah. like reflecting on what you said with what you do in terms of introducing, uh, you know, adults to hunting is one thing about hunting is it, it, you don't see a lot of people, you know, Chad, that, that get into hunting and it's like a real, like, you know, a casual hobby. They tend to be like, it's not really for them or that it becomes like, it literally changes the dynamic of their life, you know? Yeah. Um, I hear you. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool, man. I I wish you the best on that part of your, part of your business because that, that is like something that's very much needed. You know what I mean? Um, Heck yeah. All those, yeah, all those options. And Hey man, I got a question for you. I think this would be super useful to the audience in terms of there's a lot of people who are looking for all different types of hunts, like not necessarily the most expensive hunts in the world. They just, you know, they, it may be cow elk hunts on one end of the spectrum. It may be, you know, bighorn sheep hunts on the other end of the spectrum, but they're always, they're looking for options. And in a sense, when I look at your, your fins and feather business, like part of your business is essentially screening down to these cool trips. Um, mm-hmm. and I, like your thoughts on that or the process of how you do that, um, that might be useful to people, Chad, if you don't mind kind of telling us like how you, how you go about picking these trips. Yeah. So what you just explained is kind of what we wanted to, to build out as far as our schedule page. We want something that appeals to everybody. You know, we we want stuff that's kind of on the lower end, more affordable as far as price range goes. Um, obviously, I want everything to be exciting and everything to be fun. So basically what we did was, 
I mean, starting, I mean, I've been doing this probably since 2010 when I started going out and hiring outfitters or basically testing out different places. But um, basically I go on these myself and I'll go run through just like a normal client where I'll go hunt with these people. I pay attention to, you know, how friendly all the guides are, how, how well they guide, um, you know, the, the lodging, you know, the food, um, and just kind of how the whole thing is, is ran. And if it's a place that I'm like, dude, I would totally rebook there and I would go do that myself again. You know, then I reach out and see, Hey, I have this business. Like, this is something that we do. I would love to try to team up with you guys. Uh, would you guys be interested in working with fins and feathers? So, you know, we did something on the lower price range and, uh, AKA our wild pig hunts or cow elk hunts. Um, whatever that may be, all the way up to our more expensive hunts that are, you know, your big elk hunts and mule deer hunts and stuff like that. So, um, and then a bunch of stuff in between. Um, ultimately, I just want something that can basically appeal to anybody uh, on that price range spectrum, spectrum, but everything be fun and a very high quality outfit. So um, we've actually started talking about doing like not only the celebrity schedule like what we have now but also doing um like a fins and feathers approved booking agency where we don't send any celebrities on there but basically we'll go out and test out these outfitters and then if it if it passes the 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 test of everything i just explained like you know guides good guides great lodge great food um successful hunting you know or game rich environment you know, we'll basically add these guys over here is honestly in, in the in the booking world, as far as like me going out wanting to book a hunt, like it's kind of scary, man. I've been duped before. I don't know if you ever have, but, you know, you look at a website and you're like, God, these these guys are awesome. You know, this guy must this must be a really legit outfit. And you pay thousands and thousands of dollars to come hunt with these guys and you show up and it's just a big scam, you know, and it's it's scary. That's a lot of money that basically was wasted so i think for me when i'm this this is going to be a good way for us to kind of represent not only that outfitter and know that hey you know we're going to be helping hopefully help market and bring clientele to you guys but we know that you guys are legit and it's going to make us look good here also you know so now the clients can trust in the fact that, all right, Mendez has been out there and hunted with these guys. This is someone that he would rebook with again. I'm going to trust in that and know that I feel comfortable spending X amount of money to go hunt with these people. So we've talked about building out that too. And that's probably something we'll do here maybe in the next year or two. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that there's a lot of uncertainties in the, in the guide world and trying to book different hunts or fishing trips and not really knowing things. So it can be a little bit scary. Um, and so I, I think ultimately having that, you know, that scale from maybe your higher upper end stuff all the way down to something that's a little bit more affordable can relate to more people. And then hopefully, you know, just give everybody that good time to get out there and, and load their freezers up with some really good game and meat and have a good time doing it. Yeah, dude, I, I love it. Cause I, I mean, you hit on a bunch there, man. It's, it's it's a challenge to like screen through all the opportunities and like you said there's there's just you know they're on the on the real negative side of things there can just be misrepresentations yeah. and then on the other side of things too is there's just you know there could be a mismatch of like what you expect and what yeah. they're offering so i think you know a lot of guys that hunt they get a feel for that over time 
um, you know, you're doing these trips. So you, you know, you're actually going there and you know exactly what the setup is. So it's yeah. a nice service to provide people. And, and I guess at least my personal advice for people who are out there booking hunts is, you know, really try to, you know, don't, I guess, don't project what you want from outfitters. Like just try to interrogate them in the sense. So you know what they're offering, if it's for you or not, yeah. you know, and move, mm -hmm. move on. It's it, like you said, I mean, you nailed it, man. It's really, it's tricky. And it's for a lot of people, it's a lot of money. It's probably like the one trip or you're going to go on two trips a year. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I get it, man. You gotta, you, you know, it's, it can be really intimidating to people, uh, mm -hmm. you know, on, on that, on that front. I totally, I totally, I totally get that. So, um, I, uh, I, I could see where like a booking, a kind of a booking type of business comes out of, comes out of your deal. And there's some, and there's some folks that are in that, in that, in that world that, that do a good job, but a lot of them seem to, I don't know what you've seen, Chad, but a lot of them focus on like the higher end hunts. Yeah. And, you know, and when I see Duke, I guess I was more like, I, I showed up and guides were drunk <laughs> oh yeah 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 i hear you yeah. you know just being very unprofessional you know didn't help with any pack out just you know it was it was just a bad representation of that yeah. outfit so uh you know I, I would i personally would always i mean there's no way that i would send clientele to anybody that had anything like that because aid that makes me look bad but i don't want them having a horrible trip like i you know like i just went through so yeah, man, it's, you know, there's some people out there that, in any industry, in any business, there's, there's people that are going to try and scam. So yeah, I think it's just, you know, a nice way if we do this to just really build that confidence for people that have never booked with that outfitter or ever booked any outfitter period, you know, to know, okay, I know, you know, the team has gone out there and hunted with those guys, everything's legit. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll trust in booking with these guys. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. We'll see. No, I, I hear you, man. It sounds like the other thing that I noticed, Chad, like more on the positive side of this, is there's a lot of hunts, in my opinion, that are that are way undervalued, that, that are a ton yeah. of fun. You know what I mean? Like everybody thinks about elk hunting, everybody thinks yeah. about mule deer hunting, everybody thinks about mountain goat hunting, all of these. And and they are, they're a blast. But there's hunts, man, like you mentioned Audad. I've been on Audad hunts. They're fun. Freaking awesome. And yeah. the terrain was you know, the terrain was just as rough and, you know, in terms yeah. of your, you know, your skill set of, you know, shooting in an angled environment, long, all of that. Like it's this, it's, it's basically like if, if you're in the right spot, it's basically like going on a bighorn sheep hunt, yeah. but it's, it's one tenth the cost. <laughs> yeah, you know I, I mean? know. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done one odd at hunt and it's, uh, you know, I don't, I keep saying every, I don't know why I don't go back and do that. It was so much fun, but uh, yeah. Man, it's I agree. There's so many. You know what else was really fun was uh an oryx. I did New Mexico oryx. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, and lots of animals, and it's a big animal. You know, it's it's fun. They have unbelievable eyesight, basically like a big antelope, you know. Yeah, and, yeah sure. Uh, another one that's not very expensive. You can even do like a broken horn, you know, it's it's maybe a couple grand and just so much fun. So much fun. Yeah, and yeah. The, it's absolutely amazing. Like oryx oh, is probably one of my top top four top five uh wild game meets so yeah i mean i agree there's a lot of different hunts out there uh that are relatively cheap that you know can definitely be a good one for beginner hunters or anybody honestly 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I uh, totally hear you, man. Um, and I think, I think it's just good for people to know that those are out there. Not, don't feel like you have to go on certain types of hunts to be, to be, yeah. you know, experiencing what hunting's about. There's a lot of, yeah. a lot of other options, man. Uh, one question I was going to ask you, man, when are you going to get a spear fishing trip on that list? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm terrified of getting in the ocean. So <laughs> probably not anytime soon. <laughs> but All right. Big things with the sharp teeth that like to eat you. Like, I don't, I don't play with those things. You're not, yeah, you're not about that. <laughs> I've done it a few times. I've dove for like abalone here in the North Coast, but sure. man, there are way too many people that get eaten by great whites here. So I'm, I'm like, I'm probably going to, you know, pass on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I hear you, man. What's uh, what's on your personal, like, bucket list of hunting, Chad? Do you have any any specific hunts you want to do at some point in your life? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, obviously, sheep stuff's the, the pinnacle for me. I just did my first successful doll sheep hunt this year. I got a nice ram out in Alaska. We went uh, two years ago, 10 days, and just never saw a legal ram. So uh, it was cool to get redemption. I actually uh, am putting together, uh, my buddy's putting together the whole YouTube video of the the, the two trips combined. Okay, and we're cool. going to be posting on my YouTube here soon. So people, if they want to check it out, but man, that was a phenomenal high. Um, I, I, I drew that. I got lucky and drew uh, the desert uh, sheep tag there at the Utah show. Oh yeah. I remember seeing that a couple years yeah. ago. So man, I, I, I'd like to do a Rocky mountain uh, bighorn sheep hunt somewhere, but you know yeah well, well you're you're dude you're you're halfway there to that grand slam chat so you basically have to do it now you know that's how it works i know i just i'm gonna be honest like i, I just can't i can't see myself paying for the stone sheet man that's so much money <laughs> you can't draw those so we'll see and I, I start paying over the next 10 years the issue is that the price just keeps going up so i'm never going to catch it but yeah well you never see. know man it you you know, and I think this is it. Hunting's interesting to me, man, because uh, I was actually just a couple weeks ago. I did a podcast with Alan Bolin. Do you, do you know yeah. Alan? Yeah. And uh, we were talking about it a lot. And you know, it, it's uh, it's interesting because the price of hunts it do, it does change around. You know, or it does it does adjust. You know, desert sheep hunts are for sure going down fast because of the availability of the hunts. So yeah. so maybe something will change, man. But uh, yeah. but in the <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, but in the end, I, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but the sheep thing's interesting to me, Chad, like I've guided a lot of sheep hunts. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know where I'm, I'm at on Like, do I want to pursue that and, and do the grand slam? To me, it's not like, you know, in the end, if you're motivated by it, like you can figure out how to, how to get the money and, and go, go do it. It's, I guess the question is, is like, could you take that money and time and do a bunch of other hunts that you want to do? Yeah, exactly. You know? And in all honesty, I mean, if, if the slam was put in front of me and say, I drew these tags and it, you know, I would do it, but it's honestly, it's not like a huge motiv motivating factor for me. Like I honestly would rather just go on another doll sheep hunt. Cause I had yeah. so much damn fun doing that. And I'm just as happy connecting on another doll over a stone, you know, but I don't know. We'll see. I say that, but yeah, yeah, dude, that's stone. I'm that gonna have stone... to put another big fight next year if I'm gonna try to pull something like that off. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you, dude. That stone sheep uh, country is is beautiful. Is absolutely yeah. beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, northern BC, but um, but.
but no, I, I hear you, man. And I think that, that sometimes that sheep deal is about like where it takes you. Right. Um, but it sounds like, it sounds like you have that bug, which is, uh, it was fun. Yeah. yeah. It was so much fun. That, that doll sheep hunt was, I mean, you know, Alaska is just so freaking beautiful. Oh yeah, sure. But what, but what is it, Chad, for you on the sheep? Because the sheep thing, it, th th there's two people, there's two kind of reactions. There's like people who I think kind of understand it and they're like, oh, like I can understand like going after, you know, that, you know, that they are very majestic. They live in really cool country. There's the different subspecies. So there's, they live in a little bit different country each. So it's kind of a cool concept. And then there's other people who are like, you're an idiot for spending that much money sheep hunting, right? And there's like, that's, you're either in like one of those categories. So, uh, yeah, I know it's a hard question, man, but what is it about sheep that, that kind of gives you that bug, I guess? Man, for me, it was a couple things. A, just the whole backcountry in Alaska thing is, you know, unlike anything else. I mean, that's, like, put it this way. We did that 10-day hunt, and, I mean, we ended up, it was all hike in, hike out. We weren't drop off or anything. So we, I think we did, over, you know, over 100 miles of hiking back in there. It was me and a, a small group of buddies um and i mean we just went through so many ups and downs on that hunt of being so close to finding illegal and putting a stock on and sitting there for two days because we could not decide if it was legal or not um you know and then finally having to walk away because we just weren't 100 percent sure yeah, yeah sure you know and having that happen multiple times and then just basically coming out empty-handed you know and after that being living out of a tent and you know just kind of almost developing a new lifestyle within that 10 days when you step away from that and then you're back in a vehicle and you're driving around and you're back in the city and there's you're stuck in traffic and your phone's ringing non-stop and i i had a little bit of depression for about a week after that trip man i just yeah i felt homesick even though i was home with my family i felt homesick for being out back in the backcountry and it's like i don't i don't know if you could ever really understand that unless you've been out there and done that because i've never felt that way before that hunt you know yeah and yeah being able to come back and have redemption on that hunt this year and then actually finding a ram and being successful but still living in that little world again is just unlike anything else and it's it's hard to explain unless you've actually done it but for me that's that's the sheep hunt and that's why i said i'd probably be okay just doing another one of those and hopefully connecting on another doll because yeah the sheep at the end of the you know that's basically the the gold at the, the end of the rainbow type thing but the journey along the way is what really stuck in my head you know and and having to push through so much adversity you know the weather and now we're fogged in and you know you're you're so up because the clock the fog clears for an hour and you start hiking up to a peak and then it fogs in again and you're just like ah so it's like so much emotional change throughout the whole thing and then yeah. being successful there at the end and being just complete high um, I mean, for me, that's what it's all about that, that mix of all that stuff. Yeah, dude, I think you, you described it like a poet, man. I love it. Um, <laughs> because, well, it, you nailed it with the thought of like, uh, one thing to consider is that, I mean, I know, you know, sheep guides in the Yukon or the Northwest territories that, uh, they sold their life to it, man. They sold mm -hmm. their, they, their soul and their life and, you know, their, you know, all the options around, you know, having a family or a career or all that, they gave that all up because of like, 
whatever you want to call it, man, like an addiction to chasing yeah. sheep. I mean, there's, you know, uh, for better or worse, mo a lot of those guys, nobody, nobody knows about cause they're always up there, you know, and, yeah. and they don't have Instagram accounts and stuff like that. But there's a lot of them that, that, uh, yeah, that obsession just like kept them there, man. Um, yeah. and I think you yeah, nailed it. Probably, that feeling, probably from that feeling where, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I said, I was like homesick for it. I wanted to get back out there. I wanted to get out of the city and I was, you know, tired of seeing all the traffic and the lights and people bugging me and, talk, you know, yeah. having to talk to people. And I just want to get back out there and, and be in the back country and living on my own terms and in my backpack and rationing food daily and trying to figure out water situations. And you know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a crazy thing, but I'm, I'm guessing that's probably why those, those guys have. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, think about it too. I'm sure for a guy like you, Chad, like you got a thousand things going on. And when you're up there, uh, I mean, in reaches might ruin it a little bit, but in general, you can't, you got one thing to focus on, which yeah. is, which is cool. You know what I mean? It's uh, the way I, uh, it's, it's funny how you described it as like a depression or dread or something like that. Cause I, I know what you're getting at. Cause I remember coming out of the mountain sometimes after like a long, like, you know, 10 days of guiding or something like that. And like when I packed up, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm ready to go home. And then like literally like as I rode the horses down, like the last switchback, I would sense this like dr this dread of like, yeah. oh dude, I get it. Like now all of a sudden my life's back to dealing with back like all the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, dude, I think you I think you encompassed it uh, perfectly, man. And uh Chad, I really appreciate you coming on, man. I know you're a crazy uh -huh. busy guy. Um and so I I want to be uh polite with your time, man, but uh, uh tell the listeners where they can where they can follow you and and all that real quick. Yeah, I mean, Instagram's the main my main platform that I probably put more time into anything. It's uh just at Chad Mendez is my handle. Um, I do have a Twitter and Instagram as well, or sorry, Twitter and, um, uh, Facebook as well. And then YouTube, you know, I, I haven't been really keeping up on a lot of stuff recently, but, um, there's a ton of stuff over the last few years of me basically self-logging a lot of my hunts. I do a lot of the editing myself and posting kind of my adventures throughout the years on there. Um, so if anyone wants to check out any of those, if you're, uh, curious, you can go see those, but we will have that sheep hunt up here shortly so cool. that is that's going to be a pretty high production type my buddy drew with nomad collective went out there he went on the first 10 day and then came back for this one so um we got some really cool footage from both so sweet man cool everybody should go check it out thanks chad appreciate it man thank you appreciate it take care i really enjoyed that conversation with chad and i really appreciate the fact he took the time to be on the podcast he's got a ton going on so I encourage all of the listeners out there to get on social media and follow them. If you want to keep in touch with me, get on my YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Cliff Gray. It'll pop up. You can subscribe to the channel. I've been trying to keep new videos coming out weekly. You can also sign up for my newsletter at PursuitWithCliff.com or follow me on my Instagram at CliffGRY. That's C-L-I-F-F-G-R-Y. Thanks for listening.